When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Thanks to everybody who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to dailytechnewsshow.com slash support. This is the Daily Tech News for Friday, August 24th, 2018 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Zoo, I am Sarah Lane. Oh. And from... You know, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm land. <laughs> You're like, let's not try to put too fine a point on it. It's where I am. It's been a couple of weeks. I forgot how to do the show. <laughs> Studio Zoo though is new because Studio Zoo. Well, you, you may have heard of the Bronx Zoo or perhaps mm-hmm. the San Diego Zoo. Mm-hmm. Well, my home feels like both of those, wait but a word. little bit less organized. Yeah. Cannot yeah. wait. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, our Good producer, stuff. Roger Chang, is here. But, Roger, uh, you'll be absent for a little bit because you're having a, another baby. <gasps> yes. My, I, I personally will not, but my wife will be. Well, you know, the, you're, the, you're, these days. You're, you're you, a big part of it. You throw will, the father in. I will try to write her in as a deduction as soon as possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. So, yes, uh, big thanks to Amos. You may have uh, heard us reference Amos. You may have heard Amos uh, talking on the pre and post show. Uh, he'll be filling in for Roger next week. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. The Samsung Galaxy Note 9 and Galaxy Watch are on sale now. The Note 9 128 gigabyte version is $1,000. You can get 512 gigabytes for $1,250. The 42 millimeter Galaxy Watch is $330, or if you want LTE, it's $380. And the 46 millimeter model is $350 or $400 with LTE. No more word on the Galaxy Home smart speaker. Slack developer Felix Reiseberg has created the best thing ever. Uh, What's that? For Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, you can now run Windows 95 as an app. Oh, oh blessed. <laughs> blessed day. WordPad works. Paint works. Minesweeper works. I would not recommend running uh, the Drive Detector, the Drive Space <laughs> app, because that hung it up for me, uh, and I can't get it unhung yet. But... Uh, It also doesn't have networking services, so you can't really use Internet Explorer. You can download the app and the source code on GitHub. Why? Don't ask why. Just 
have fun. Do it. Just do it. It's Friday. The World Bank has priced the world's first public bond that is managed entirely using blockchain. Mm. It's a test to see how blockchain might improve bond sales practices. Commonwealth Bank of Australia is the sole manager of the two-year bond. Now, the blockchain process makes almost instantaneous a procedure that usually requires a manual book build and then allocation and then extended settlement and then registrar and then a custodian. Oh, man. I can't wait till buying a house is on the blockchain. I'm just saying. Ooh. Whew. Who will do it first? Well, it's probably already being done somewhere. I bet somebody's doing it somewhere. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about Epic. And by Epic, I mean the game company uh, encouraging players of Fortnite to secure their accounts with two-factor authentication. Now, that's not new. Uh, Blizzard was pushing two-factor authentication 10 years ago because everybody was trying to hack into everybody else's World of Warcraft accounts. Uh, So two-factor authentication is very mature. Using it on popular games like Fortnite, not a big surprise. But Epic is encouraging you to turn on 2FA by giving you the boogie down character emote for free. (laughs) The boogie down emote makes your character boogie down. I have to say, this is a really genius way to make people be more secure because a company can tell you all day and, you know, give you little pop-up warnings and, you know, remind you and, you know, Google and Facebook do this to me all the time. I have two, two FA turned on anywhere I can, but for everyone else who is like, it's the incentive of of getting something cool uh, in 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 reaction to doing what you should do for the for the sake of for your own sake, but all the, also the company's sake is really genius. It's the carrot. It is carrot cur. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. No, uh, I withdraw that one. It's the carrot, not the stick, right? Like that's that's, that's the whole point here. Uh, Granted, Fortnite has an advantage where they have things like emotes 
that are in game, very popular that they can do that will motivate people. I'm not sure how this works in like enterprise software uh, per se, but, but you know, maybe, I mean, Slack has emojis. Maybe there's a custom emoji they could give you or something. I mean, you can create your own. I know that, but uh, yeah, the idea of getting people to, to be more secure by giving them something they want seems like something you could apply in a lot of places. Maybe. It's sort of like training a dog to sit. <laughs> Everything is probably like training a, a dog to sit. I will give you a treat if you do right. this thing right. It is, though. You're not wrong. <laughs> it kind of is. It's like, hey, you want, you want a boogie down a moat? You can see I've got lots of dog metaphors these days. Oh, I'm sure. I could, I'll yeah. keep them coming. 2FA. Uh, 2FA. No, 2FA. <laughs> 2FA. Good boy. Good boy. BuzzFeed News obtained an email from Facebook head of cybersecurity policy, Nathaniel Geicher, Gleicher rather, scheduling a discussion with Google. Microsoft, Snapchat, and other companies to be held at Twitter headquarters Friday. What is it about? Well, the meeting is described as the next step in discussing information operations and election protection, especially considering that this is an election year. Mm, Yeah, okay. Mm. This this is causing a bigger stir than I would expect, but probably just because it has the word election in it and everybody seems to freak out when you bring up anything that has the word. Like, what? Elections? Stolen? Not stolen? Uh, uh, You're wrong? No, you're wrong. Uh, That's the way that conversation usually goes. But I think it's good that all of these companies that are facing the same challenges, both in managing expectations of their users and legitimately having problems on their platforms are getting together. You know, Snapchat hasn't suffered from the same kinds of problems that other companies have, and maybe the other companies can learn something from that. Uh, And maybe Snapchat just hasn't suffered from it yet, and maybe this can help them prevent it from happening because they can learn from other companies. I think this is a very good thing. I think it's a very good thing too. I think yes, the 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 fact that election is in there has people going like, oh, this is a big deal. But also, it's sort of head of all these companies, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey at secret meeting at Twitter headquarters. You know, what could they be discussing? You know, changing their platforms. Well, the two companies, and obviously there are others involved, Google and Snapchat, among others. But but if you just think of Facebook and Twitter as examples of two companies that. All we hear about is is you know the 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 riots from 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 users who feel that the uh, the, the platforms are contributing to the 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 fall of society and I'm sure that a lot of that is part of the discussions but it's not necessarily as big a deal like Twitter isn't going to change tomorrow probably based on these meetings but it does provide a window into the fact that these companies are working together and notice similar problems on social platforms. Yeah, I I feel it's interesting that Facebook called the meeting at Twitter's headquarters, right? It's it's very much like the the meeting of the five networks. We will find neutral ground. I will call (laughs) the meeting, but we will hold it at my friend Jack's uh, place so that everyone feels comfortable. Uh, Because, you know, these are competitors. All all of these companies want to steal something from each other, whether it's ad dollars or or users or eyeballs or whatever. Uh, so it is a big deal for them to to try to negotiate a way to cooperate, and I I think that's huge. Well, folks, Apple has dozens of shows. Yeah, ha- if you haven't heard, Oprah, uh, Spielberg. Those, where, those are, where do I where do I watch these shows, Tom? You can't they watch any great. of them yet. That's the oh. fun part. Uh, um. We have no idea what they're doing with all of this. Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon. They're making shows. Somebody will be able to watch them someday, I wanted to assume. Uh, Ars Technica has confirmed that among them are TV series based on Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. 
huge fundamental science fiction series that informed everything from Star Trek Beyond, uh, not Star Trek Beyond the movie, but informed a lot of science fiction, both television and written. Uh, it is a, a novel that spans generations. Uh, it's about Harry Seldon, who, who works for a foundation that can kind of predict the future uh, and tries to preserve uh, the the rights of people in the face of the declining galactic empire. It's about sociology. It's about science. It's 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 something that if you haven't read and you do like science fiction, you you probably ought to read just for science fiction literacy. Anyway, it's turned into a TV show at Apple. David Goyer, screenwriter for The Dark Knight and Batman Begins, and Josh Friedman, creator of the TV series Terminator: The Sarah Connor Chronicles, will be the showrunners. Uh, so they've got a nice resume. They'll also be executive producers. Isaac Asimov's daughter Robin will also be an executive producer, and the series will be produced for Apple by Skydance. Uh, Skydance, the folks who did Altered Carbon for Netflix, uh, if you're familiar with that, uh, they also do the um, John Krasinski series on Amazon, Jack Reacher, the Jack Reacher series on Amazon. So, uh, big, again, more big names, Sarah, making big shows. Uh, no one's ever successfully been able to bring an Isaac Asimov Foundation series to air or movie. So, Maybe. I mean, well, sure. I mean, it sounds like Skydance is doing all the work, right? Uh, well, yeah, you- and that's true of all of these. That's a really good point. Like, it's not like Apple is producing any of this stuff. They're they're basically paying production companies to make shows for them. Yes, which is which is the Hollywood model. Um, even though, sure, it's changing in some ways. That's that that's how most of this mm-hmm. works. Yeah. At the same time, okay. Let's Jack just Ryan. Say- Thank you. Sorry, Jack Ryan, not Jack Reacher. Okay. Thank you, Anth Mike. Oh, Jack Ryan. Not yeah. to be confused with Jake Ryan. That's a whole different person. No, but uh, but <laughs> some of you will get that if you're old enough. Um, I think that, and let's just say, let's just say that Apple announced all these shows, you know, at their iPhone event in the fall. Now, I I don't totally think that that's going to happen. But hey, stranger things have. Right. What if they did? Right. If they're, you know, they come out and tout, we got a new, yeah, like Oprah's working with us. Reese and Jennifer are working with us. We, you know, we've got. Some things in the works and for all the science fiction folks of which we know, uh, you know, play very well on TV and movies. There's a huge audience there. I feel like this is a great way to round out content for anyone who's like, I don't know about that fluffy It's not even the first science fiction show they've acquired. They've got a Ronald D. Moore uh, deal, too. Uh, And I know I'm forgetting another one. They have just got a huge, huge pile of stuff. It's going to be really interesting when they finally come out and say, and now you can actually watch it. Right. And in this category, we've got three shows yeah. rather than just the one. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's I, I I'm eagerly awaiting something, anything, Apple, sooner the better. The next web reports that Michael Trazzi from Sorbonne University in France and Roman V. Yampolsky from the University of Louisville in the U.S. are researching the merits of artificial stupidity. Now, the idea behind this is that artificial general intelligence, which is the smartest kind of AI that we have at this point, doesn't actually have computational and cognitive limits the way all humans do in some form. So from the white paper from these researchers, it says, we say that an AI is made artificially stupid on a task when some limitations are deliberately introduced to match a human's ability to do that task. An artificial general intelligence or AGI can be made safer by limiting its computing power and memory, 
or by introducing artificial stupidity on certain tasks. And to test this, the researchers, among other things, are coding in 14 human biases. That would be like the bandwagon effect. We've all heard that. Or confirmation bias, or authority bias, or the spotlight effect, and so on. Yeah, so this is this is a hard one to wrap your head about. Artificial general intelligence is the idea that the AI can think on its own. It doesn't need to be trained right. much. It doesn't need to be given a set of data. It can just generally think, uh, which is something that isn't quite ready for prime time. This is not what g- the Go playing bot does. This is not what Watson does. But the fear is once we get artificial general intelligence working really well, it will be a danger. This is what Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking uh, warn and warned about because it could become a superintelligence, which we then couldn't stop because we wouldn't be smart enough. That's the fear. A lot of people think the fear is overblown, but these researchers are saying, well, just in case, mm-hmm. maybe we should put in some brakes. Uh, and they're calling it artificially stupid <laughs> because all the biases that we're trying to correct for on Facebook and Twitter, they're like, we'll just give them those <laughs> and that'll keep them from being too smart. Will it though? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, this is a fascinating story. And I was trying to think of an example uh, before the show of, okay, well, if someone says robot's going to take my job on the assembly line, what would be a situation where the robot would be like, I know what's better than this, you know, because these humans didn't actually make this assembly line correctly and kind of muck the whole thing up. If anybody has a, a, a uh, an example, please let me know, because I couldn't really think of a good one. But I understand why this would be really advantageous, just at least for research purposes, to see how human-like AI can be based on all of these biases and limitations that, that humans have. We don't all have the same ones. That's the thing. So you have to introduce a bunch and then kind of see where how it shakes out. Yeah, I mean these these artificial general intelligences won't be working on the assembly line, right? They they will be they'll be running somewhere as a as a consultation device uh, that one would think. And if I'm reading the white paper right, the way they're thinking these biases will help is, for instance, the bandwagon effect. That's the effect that says, well, everybody else thinks this is awesome, so I'm going to think it's awesome too, whether it's awesome or not. If you have the AGI uh, suffer the bandwagon effect, it will start to acquire human values and be less likely to say, you know what, humans, you really aren't necessary. Like, I can logically prove that you're not necessary. Instead, it'll be like, well, bandwagon effect. Like, only humans think they're necessary, so I guess they're necessary, but it would be like the humans. Uh, That's just one example. I love it. Yeah. It's a wonderful world we live in. <laughs> Bring on the stupid AI. Uh, yeah, stupid AI and flying cars. Ooh. Volkswagen, Uber, Kitty Hot, and Geely are among the companies that are right now developing flying cars. Like, the tech is actually feasible, it's actually being built. The bigger challenge now is less about the technology and more about safety like how do we make it so that people don't kill each other uh, with flying cars how do we make it so that we don't run into airplanes what kind of government regulation do we need that's going to be the big barrier now uh, as they perfect the actual technology behind it and japan is trying to get ahead of that Uh, the trade ministry is gathering 21 companies together in tokyo on august 29th to create a flying car roadmap for japan's government 
uh, or maybe a flight plan would be a better thing than a roadmap that's flying cars. Uh, whatever it is, the idea is to provide safety standards and infrastructure ahead of other countries to make Japan appealing as the place to launch your flying cars. One of the reasons for that is the Japanese automakers are a little bit behind Uber and Geely and Kitty Hawk uh, in making these. And so Japan thinks, well, if, if our domestic companies need to catch up, what if we become the place where everybody wants to start? So they've invited Uber, Airbus, Boeing, NEC, uh, a Toyota-backed company called Cartivator, uh, and some airlines like ANA and Japan Airlines, as well as Yamato Holdings, uh, which is just a big conglomerate in Japan. Uh, those are among the companies in this initial group. You know, I had a funny thought about because my my question is is always immediately like, yeah, how how do you how do you stay in your lane, right? When you're mm-hmm. in the air. If, if there are enough cars where there's a real hazard of of running into another or or veering off course. What if the flying cars actually just were above a road that already existed? Now, I know that that sounds silly because it's like the whole point is to not have to deal with a road, but right. the road could illuminate sort of like um the uh what's the hotel in las vegas with the with the light that goes up to that you can see oh, the uh, luxor yeah the luxor kind of well maybe not that that um strong but something where it's like okay there's the road but then there's the vertical flying road up kind, above. Of, kind of like the training wheels for all of us road car drivers yeah. to get used to it because obviously if you're a pilot you know like well i don't need that landmark you can fly by numbers right but you can because you're a pilot <laughs> yeah. i i can know the numbers but might be nice to be like oh okay I, i'm being guided by that thing down below and in fact that's a great idea because it wouldn't even have to stick to all roads you could erect i would think you'd be able to erect fairly cheaply just some guidepost lights uh, if you want to expand the lanes so that you can you can provide safe flight paths that are out of the way of everything else. Yeah. As a, as a person who doesn't really like jaywalking and, you know, but am fearful in a car in general and like to follow rules, it's like, I would want this. I don't feel comfortable. Uh, well, I suppose if I had enough training, flying a car would be to, second nature. Sure. I mean, driving yeah. a car was hard at first as well. But as somebody who's like, I, I would like to tiptoe into this and I want everybody to be as safe as possible. That was my little idea. Yeah. Well, I'm curious what Japan comes up with and mm-hmm. why they didn't invite you to this meeting. Yeah. I obviously am, am full of good stuff. Seriously. Japan. Uh, come on, Japan. Get on. <laughs> uh, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. All right, facial recognition software installed Monday at Washington Dulles International Airport flagged a 26-year-old man as not matching his passport photo. They had just installed this Monday. Boom, caught somebody. Turned out the man traveling from Brazil with a supposedly French passport was carrying his real ID from the Republic of Congo in his shoe. Now, Orlando International Airport implemented the same software back in June there, if they caught anybody, they're not saying. But uh, so, so Dulles kind of lucked out in making this work right away. But there's a lot of talk about whether security is effective at airports or whether it's all security theater. There's a lot of talk about whether facial recognition is actually useful. Would it? Would can it really uh, provide any kind of security, or is it just some kind of invasion of privacy? Uh, this is but one data point that does not make a proof, but it is interesting. 
It is interesting. I guess it must have been inside his sock, right? Because he would have had to take his shoes off. I don't know. I don't know if he had socks on, but yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, Well, there was a photo and it did appear that, but yeah, I I don't know. Maybe he had TSA pre, but, but, uh, (laughs) no, not if he's come, if he's French, he wouldn't have TSA pre. So, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. It must have been in a sock. You're absolutely right. Hmm. And then, yeah, we, we have talked quite a bit, especially lately about how, uh, facial recognition, uh, for example, that's used by law enforcement agencies, at least a few of them in the U.S., where there's false positives and people are worried about um, uh, about the you know, the legal implications of, of 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 folks who are being unfairly targeted. All of that stuff is extremely valid, and so this sort of story is sort of like, huh? All right, well, I guess if the facial recognition software had not been installed, there's a much greater chance that the passport would have would have he he may have gone through we don't really know yeah but we do know that he was caught this way tom and i were having an interesting discussion this morning because i was like well okay but i mean if i walk if i try to walk through tsa with a unregistered gun i mean i will probably be caught so it's not as i i had i had said is this the first time they've actually caught someone being right for for a criminal violation at tsa and you're like, right. what about guns? I'm like, oh, you're right. Okay, people get caught bringing guns through TSA. But my argument back to you was, but they're not necessarily intending to commit a crime. Most of those people forgot the gun was packed or or didn't realize or, you know, they didn't have intent to harm. <laughs> oh, my guns in my... <laughs> you know, Whoops. I mean, no, and knives too. Like a lot sure. of times people have knives in their baggage, et cetera. Of course. Um, in fact, I have had not a knife, but, you know, Swiss Army knife, you know, things seized through TSA that I was like, oh, sorry, I forgot that that was in there. But if I was intending to commit a crime, um, then yes, something like facial recognition software, which, as you mentioned, Tom, it's you can't you can't have an illegal passport. That's that's not OK. So that in itself is a crime, even if this man, who I do not know, was intending to commit a crime after getting in the U.S. or not. Yeah. And 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 then, of course, you brought up drugs and I'm like, oh, yeah, no. Airport security catches drug smugglers a lot <laughs> over right. the years. Uh, so it certainly isn't the first time that they've caught a criminal. But it did somehow it stood out to me because there are no examples I can think of where the security checkpoint stopped an attack that we know of other than deterrence. And I'm not, I'm not trying to discount that, but I'm saying they didn't like find someone trying to bring something through and said, Oh, you were planning an attack and we foiled it. That's, that's usually not what TSA does. Usually TSA acts more as a deterrent and, and it does catch these smaller crimes that we're talking about. So this felt big to me like, Oh, it actually, they actually stopped somebody while they were doing something wrong. Right. Um, and again, it's, it's, if you have people who, you know, if, if I go through security and I've got my passport, I don't have any fake passports on me, at least right now. No, I'm just kidding. I've never had one, but if, you know, you if it's, if it's it. me and, and this has actually happened, you know, going through customs, you know, where they're kind of like, take off your hat and mm, look this way. And yeah, okay. I guess that's you. But again, that would be, I would think, your eyes are tired, it's been a long day, you see a lot of folks, kind of looks like the passport, says all the right things. Facial recognition in that sense would be really helpful, potentially, and has been, as we've seen here. Thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. Also, head over to facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow. Lots of options to keep in touch with us. Mm Mm-hmm.
Let's talk about Vertical Farms. Eric, a.k.a. Ebarch, in our IRC, as you may know him, is reporting in from his vertical farm job. Hey, DTNS crew. This is Eric Barch, or as you may know me better in IRC, Ebarch. And I really enjoyed your conversation on ag tech and Chipotle and just felt I had to chime in as I actually work for a vertical farming startup in Pittsburgh. Now, if you're not familiar with vertical farming, kind of as, as its name implies, we stack the produce vertically inside a building versus the traditional farming where you'd have a big, giant open field. And that actually becomes very important because space is at a premium in urban areas. Now, we're doing some interesting things like using commodity hardware, so Raspberry Pis, to reduce our cost of automation by an order of magnitude. And because all the food is grown indoors, we have a lot more control over the variables. So everything from temperature to humidity to CO2. And it also allows us to drastically reduce the use of pesticides that you would have to use in a traditional farm. Now, some people might think that we're in direct competition to traditional farms, but traditional farms still have quite the edge in terms of volume. The thing that makes us unique, because we're growing indoors, we can grow things that the traditional farms wouldn't be able to, depending on the time of season. So things like tomatoes, we probably wouldn't grow that in the middle of summer, but you know, in the winter, it'd be a great opportunity for us. Anyway, I just want to mention a few things, because I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the space. And uh, as always, keep up the good work, and I'll be around to watch. This is Z-Barch, signing off. We have the best audience ever. We really do. Oh my gosh. That's E-Barch, give me good tasting tomatoes in the winter. <laughs> I beg of you. <laughs> well, and I love that it's in Pittsburgh, right? Not, right? not where most people, maybe people in Pittsburgh would think this, I don't know, uh, but most people wouldn't guess Pittsburgh. They'd probably pick Iowa or something, even though it's like, well, no, a vertical farm could be anywhere, right? It could be in downtown Manhattan if you wanted it to be, I think. Well, and, and, and um, good stuff like less pesticide use is something that I just wouldn't have thought of, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Vertical farms. All right. Thanks, Ebarch. Thanks, Ebarch. All right. What do we got in the mailbag, sir? Vince has some thoughts on Apple removing Facebook security app Onavo, which we talked about uh, yesterday from Apple's app store. Vince says, Apple says Facebook was gathering data about installed apps. Facebook says they aggregate the data so it's not personal, so it's not violating the rules. Maybe I misunderstood the points that were made in the show. But if this was just web traffic, then all VPNs would be in trouble. While iOS won't just hand over a list of installed apps, I have a suspicion that Onavo was using the ability to ask if specific apps were installed. So Facebook could be checking which of their apps and key competitors' apps are installed. As Facebook moves into other markets, online dating, for example, Apple may have finally noticed what they were up to as the list of apps they asked about passed some threshold. Uh, no, it's a good point, Vince. And, and, and I you know, deserve the correction for, for stating it wrong and talking about web traffic. My point was that uh, they that they had to be doing something more than just logging web traffic or a browser. I use browsers, but VPNs would be another one. Uh, they were, and I didn't make this clear on yesterday's show, analyzing the traffic that went through their VPN to see what apps were being used. They weren't doing anything special. Uh, they were just logging it. So they were logging more than just what they needed to operate the VPN. Uh, and I think that's that's where Facebook and Apple were having the disconnect. Facebook's like, hey, we're just logging it and keeping track. It's not associated with anyone's ID. And Apple's like, yeah, but you don't need to log it. Uh, in order to provide the service. All you need to do is pass the data along. Uh, and sure, you keep logs as a matter of record, but you were actually collecting them and collating them and making stats out of them, and that's not okay. So thank you, Vince, for giving us a chance to clarify that further. 
Absolutely. Also, thanks to Len Peralta, who's been drawing up a storm this entire show very quietly, I might add. Len, where are we? <laughs> I'm always quiet, Sarah. Um, yes, quiet. you know, uh, facial recognition. How do you beat facial recognition? Well, if you're a green guy who has Marilyn Manson hair, well, all you got to do is put up a little face in front of your face, and uh, and then people won't ever think no. that you are evil. No, no one in the TSA line will think twice about you holding about that those green hands of yours. Right. Yeah. No one. Yeah, it's exactly. This Sir, is, are you holding you a do. mask in front of your face? Yeah. No. no, 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 I'm not. Uh, I, I, I don't have green skin. So, uh, just to, <laughs> sir, we didn't say anything about green skin. Do you have green skin? Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> uh, hold uh, that thought. Uh, hold on. You're, you don't need to take your laptop out of your bag. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this uh, this image is available at my online store right now at lenperaltastore.com. Plus, I just want a quick plug for my Patreon. This month, I switched over from per week to monthly and uh, got hit pretty hard. So I'm looking for Patreons. If you're a Patreon, I'm looking to get 100 if I can. We'll see. I'm halfway there. So uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Len and give me some love. By the way, I'm also on Discord and I'll figure that out all too. And by love, he means a dollar or more. A dollar or more. Uh, Hey, uh, thanks to everybody who's helping get us to our monthly Patreon goal. Dave, So, and John are just three of the fine people who have put us within eight folks of meeting our monthly goal. So if you thought at all about kicking in a dollar or more for membership in the awesome DTNS audience, you can be right there with eBarch. Please head to patreon.com slash DTNS right now. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We give you so many options to talk to us, so please keep them coming. It's so great to hear from everybody. We're also live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. Find out more. Tell a friend. Dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Monday is our August roundtable with Jason Howell and Dale Chase talking music with those fellas. Can't wait. We'll talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>